Welcome to the Modern Warrior Podcast. I am your host, Gavin Meenan, and on this podcast, I will be speaking to inspirational individuals who specialize in the field of physical and mental health to offer you the tools that you need to become a stronger, healthier, and more confident man in today's world. Hello and welcome to episode number 70 of the Modern Warrior Podcast. Today I'm joined by Rob, aka The Grounded Athlete. Rob's mission is to make grounding research and information more accessible to the public with the hopes of making this practice a household natural remedy. He has a plethora of posts and videos which he uses to educate the public. He also developed Gaia grounding sandals to make grounding more convenient for others. The sandals utilize copper and silver to establish a grounding connection to the earth. These are the only footwear utilizing silver, copper, leather grounding mechanism. So before I began recording this episode with you, Rob, I was outside with my bare feet in the back garden to uh, find out what the fuss was about. And I have to say, it felt amazing. And I'm very curious in terms of, okay, what's going on there when I'm bare feet on on the ground, on the grass, on the soil? What are the sort of, um, what what's happening there in my, in my body, in my mind, that's creating this feel-good factor? Well, I'm, I'm very happy that you've got a little grounding session in there. Um, but I did want to ask you a question first. What did you, what did you notice when you were outside the barefoot? I felt, well, <laughs> I felt grounded. I felt yeah, grounded. any sort of stress that I was experienced beforehand sort of seemed to dissipate, just seemed to mm-hmm. dissolve. And yeah, I just, I felt a lot more centered in myself energy wise. Yeah. So yep. yeah, again, as I said, and that's- what's going on there. Yeah. Yeah, that's uh, those are pretty common uh, occurrences there that happen, and a lot of people when they when they ground, uh, and there's there's various different things that are happening in your body uh, as soon as you're as soon as you're barefoot on the ground, as soon as you're electrically grounded to the earth. Um, but the biggest things that people tend to notice are that sense of calm, and that that sense of uh, not only being electrically physically grounded to the earth, but spiritually, mentally, emotionally grounded. Um, and a lot of people talk about being grounded as far as your, your mental, your mental state, but, uh, being grounded, uh, in terms of your physiological state is just as important. So what you just did when you're outside is you electrically coupled your body to the earth. And so your body is conductive. The surface of the earth is conductive. And so electrostatics teaches that when two conductive objects come into contact with each other they're going to equilibrate to the same electrical potential. And that's what grounding is. It's being at the same electrical potential as the earth. And this yields uh, quite a bit of favorable physiologic benefits. So, um, and we can go into those if you want, but essentially in a nutshell, that's, that's what's happening when you step barefoot on the earth. Excellent, man. Yeah. So it's, it's the electrical charge in the body connecting with the electrical charge of the earth in a nutshell. Yes. Yeah. And then, does it sort of depend then for example when i went outside there i was on i was on grass i was on soil if i did the same thing on on sand if i did the same thing on a on a different surface would it have the same benefits or is there is there variances there in terms of the of the surface yeah that's a that's a great question that's a question um a lot of people have asked me is does it matter where i'm standing or what i'm standing on in order to be grounded and my my answer is always um you know your conductors and you know your insulators and you'll know when you're grounded or not. So soil and grass are great. Concrete is great. Um, concrete is mostly mineral and water, um, which is especially if you get it wet, it's conductive. Um, there are some materials that are insulating, wood, uh, glass, plastics. If you're standing on these materials in contact with the earth, they will not ground you. Um, there's a a kind of a misconception out there when people get my sandals and they wear them inside like in, in the home that they're going to be grounded it's like no you still got to be in contact with uh the earth and you got to be in electrical contact with the earth um so 
as long as what you're standing on is a conductor in contact with the earth, you're going to be grounded. Soil, grass works, sand works, concrete works. Um, it's really kind of breaking down the composition of whatever you're standing on in terms of um, electrically insulating or electrically conductive properties of that material. Mm-hmm. Interesting, yeah, because the reason I'm asking is because I am at the beach every single day as well. I, I go into the sea, so I'm sure that's some form of grounding as well. Um, certainly Absolutely. Submerged uh... <laughs> in Mother Nature up to my neck. Yeah. Uh, uh the yeah the ocean the ocean is like the best place to ground you don't uh, you know that's another thing you don't have to be on the ground to ground you can ground in the ocean the ocean is it's, it's mineral salt and that uh that carries charge very well and so uh that's my favorite way to ground is being you know in the ocean swimming and uh can i ask you like how your sleep is like if you're out in the ocean every day like i notice that's that's the, well, I'm, I'm in iowa so i'm in the middle of the united states and so i don't get I don't get that pleasure, but when I, when I do take trips to the beach and, um, I'm out there swimming, my sleep, my sleep that night is just absolutely amazing. I'm just knocked out like a baby. And I think it's just, it's, it's, it's grounding on steroids. It's essentially what it is being in the ocean. So I don't know if you notice anything with your sleep, if you get good sleep, maybe that's why, I don't know. <laughs> so yeah, a lot of factors. I have, I have no issues with, with sleep now in fairness. I've, I've been doing this consistently for, over two years now so it's it's sort of different it's difficult to contrast my sleep now to where it was before i started doing that but um yeah there's there's no issue with sleep i can tell you and once uh once nine o'clock comes i'm i'm ready but i'm up early in the morning as well so it all ties in with my with my routine and um with everything i'm doing throughout the day it's i have certain practices and going into the sea is is one of them i've got for example, I've got my journal to help me get my mental state in a good place, you know, to let go of any negativity or any uh, difficult thoughts or feelings I may have in the morning time. And then I go to the gym, I do my my stretching, my mobility work, my workout. So I'm, you know, focused on the physicality. And then I'm getting into the sea, which is maybe the, spur- the spiritual aspect of my morning routine, perhaps. Yeah. Or it's maybe bringing those two, th- those two things in together as well, body and mind. Like the big thing for me going to the sea was was not for grounding or anything else. It was more for the cold water submersion, which I think is is the biggest emphasis that comes from going into the sea. And perhaps the whole grounding aspect of that has been there's there's a misconception or it's it's been ignored. So there's yeah. there's more to it than than cold water, is what you're saying. Yeah, and the, 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 you can you can you can knock out a lot of uh, birds with one stone going to the ocean. That that cold water immersion, I'm I was I was really into that. I mean, I still really am, am into that as far as the metabolic effects, uh, the fat conversion. Um, there's a lot of, and as far as you know, the discipline, the discipline you need to be able to you know immerse yourself in that kind of temperature. You know, a lot of people will talk crap about it, but it's like if you take, you know, if you if you take some cold showers throughout the week, some freezing cold showers, you watch, you, you see how your willpower just kind of skyrockets. And yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm a big, I'm a big proponent of that. So yeah, cool man. Yeah, well, I mean, that's that's it, man. It's it's how these things in the morning have a ripple effect into everything else I do throughout the day. And as you yeah. said, discipline yeah. from all those practices alone, but also having the, uh, the self-care routine in terms of body, mind and spirit. So that look, whatever happens throughout the day, I'm in a better place to then be able to deal with because I'm, I'm grounded perhaps I'm, I'm in a good place. Yeah. So I'm, uh, yeah, I'm into all that. And of course the, uh, the grounding now is, is something to, uh, yeah, perhaps. Yeah. Immerse myself in more so as I'm discovering more about it. And like in terms of the grounding, like what sort of practices do you, would you um, recommend there? I mean, is it, do you need, for example, okay, you know, to get, to get the best benefits of grounding, you know, go outside in your bare feet, for example, say you don't have the sea or say you don't have these uh, facilities in your area. Okay. Go out in your backyard and your bare feet. Five minutes is enough. Or do you need 20 minutes? Do you have to do it every single day? Or what's your sort of approach there in terms of the practice itself? And the frequency of it? Yeah. So I, I mean, I can, I can tell you how I ground and I can tell you how I answer that question of how long to ground. So I sleep, I sleep grounded. I sleep on a grounding mat. And so that's eight or nine hours right there that I'm grounding. Um, I work in healthcare 
So I have a grounding mat that I work on. Um, I actually use it underneath my computer. It's like a mouse, mouse pad. And so when I'm working at my desk, I'm grounded. Um, here in, so I, I just recently retired from track and field. Um, but what I was doing is it gets very cold around here. And so I'd bring my grounding mat with me and I'd plug it into the wall. In between repetitions and in, in, in between intervals, I would, I would stand barefoot on my grounding mat to kind of speed up that, that recovery there. Um, and then in the afternoon, uh, when I'm working on sandals and um, stuff in my business, I'm, I'm going outside and I'm, I'm being barefoot on. And I don't have a lot of uh, grass around me. I have a lot of concrete and hey, it still works. So uh, I spend a lot of my, my day grounded. And to you know, answer that question of how long do I ground, I, I put out a blog post on this a few months ago. And, and I, I gave the most annoying answer you could ever uh, hear, which is it depends. It just depends on you. It depends on what you need and what kind of state your body is in. Are you in a very inflamed state? Are you in a very um, are you in a lot of pain? Are you dealing with some kind of condition? A lot of that's going to determine how long you need to ground for and, um, how beneficial grounding is going to be for you. So, mm -hmm. so, I mean, but even, even saying all that four or five minutes grounding a day is better than no minutes grounding a day. So try and get some at least, cause it's, it's immensely important for your health. Well, man. And you mentioned something there in terms of accelerating your recovery as well. So in this podcast, a lot of men listening to this are big into their training. Maybe, of, of course, not to the same level you are. And you're, you're a professional athlete. But at the same time, these men are, are, are training on a consistent basis. So how does the grounding complement or benefit your recovery process or accelerate it even? And how should it be okay. used? Um, shoot. I mean, there's, there's a lot of different ways we can attack this. Um, so... And, you know, this isn't, this isn't new as far as training, because um, a lot of athletes like in the tour de France for the USA, they're, they get grounded uh, when they're, when they're resting and um, that they found that uh, the injuries that the cyclists uh, would sustain during that, that race, they would, uh, they would heal. They would heal so quickly. It was insane. And for me, um, I, I was getting injured a lot prior to finding out about grounding. And I was just, I was injury prone. I, I feel like I was doing everything I could possibly do. I was eating all the right foods. I was doing all the, all the recovery modalities you could think of. I was doing it all and I was still getting hurt. And I said, okay, well, I need to find, I need to, I need to find something that's going to help. And that's how I found out about grounding. I was listening to a podcast one day with Clint Ober and uh, he's considered a, a pioneer in the grounding field. And I said, and I was very skeptical when I found out about it. I was like, ah, I don't know. Just kind of just being barefoot on the earth or connecting with the earth sounds kind of hippie. It sounds like, nah, I'm not really, not really, not really convinced. And so I said, okay, I'll, I'll try it. I'll try it for a month and see how it goes. And the, the changes that I felt um, just overall, not even, not, not just in my training, but overall were, uh, very significant, intense. And I noticed, so what I did was I would warm up grounded barefoot on the earth, grass. Um, I felt extremely energized going into my workouts and usually going into my workouts, I'm kind of tired because I get done with work and I go to training and I'm just like, ah, don't really want to train today. I don't have a lot of energy, but every time I, uh, warm up grounded, I, I just like have this spurt of energy. And so I'm warming up grounded. I am in between my intervals. I'm, I'm uh, on the grass uh, grounded. Um, and then afterwards, I do a little cool down uh, barefoot. And I noticed that I was, I was ready to go the next day, which is something that was not very common for me. Usually after a hard session, I, I would need like a day or two to recuperate. And I noticed when I started grounding, I was like, ah, you know, I'm ready. Like I could, I could repeat this workout tomorrow if I wanted to, like, that's how well I'm recovering right now. Um, and so the mechanisms here are the, there's, there's various mechanisms going on here. And a big, a big part of that is, uh, when you train, when you exercise, you're, you're undergoing trauma in a sense, you're, you're damaging your body. And so that involves an inflammatory response that involves oxidative stress response. 
And so uh, specifically with the training, what's going to happen when you train grounded and when you recover grounded, when you warm up grounded, um, your body is not going to undergo as much um, damage in response to that training. And that's been shown by the reduced white blood cell counts, um, which is essentially a muted immune response in response to training. So that means your body isn't breaking down as much when you're training. And uh, it, that's what speeds up the, the whole recovery process. And yeah, you need, you need trauma. You need that. You need that information in order to grow. But my whole thing is that we're experiencing too much. We're experiencing excessive amounts to the point where we can't come back the next day and we're not able to repeat that, that session. And so um, there's a blunted immune response um, along with reduced blood urea. So blood urea is a product of amino acid catabolism. So that's protein breakdown. And so what that means is that the proteins in your body aren't breaking down as much when you're training. And so that means you can train longer, you can train harder, and ultimately just be a better athlete, be better at what you do because you're able to train more. And so those are two really big uh, mechanisms of action that are going on right there when, when you're implementing grounding in your, in your training. Cool. Yeah. So you found this through, yeah, through your own journey of trying to find a, a solution to your, to your problem. And you went through the whole process, yes. everything else, but this is the only thing that worked for you at that point. Yeah. It was the only thing I changed. The only thing I changed, I, well, I made sure I was like, I'm not going to change anything else. I'm not going to change my diet. I'm not going to change my training. Everything, everything's going to stay the same. I'm only going to, I'm only going to start doing this grounding thing and I'm going to see how it goes. And everything just changed from that point on. And so I came at it and I found out about it from an athlete point of view and an athlete's uh, mindset. And then I just started to find out so much more about what's going on here. And so the last five years, I've just been kind of immersed in what's going on here. And um, so I started the grounded athlete a couple of years ago. Um, to tell people about this practice because it's so important that it's, it's, it boggles me that not more pe people don't know about it with the, the significant impacts it has on you. And I was kind of, I was kind of upset. I was upset about it. It's like, why aren't people being taught this? Why aren't, you know, physicians learning about this and, and, and prescribing this practice to, to patients because, the, the, the multi-systemic effects of it are so insane that it's, it's, it's ridiculous to me that this isn't, this isn't preached more, that this isn't, you know, pushed more um, on the masses. If, if, so. if, if you, uh, if you were to, uh, sell this as such, you, you could potentially put the physicians out of business, couldn't you? <laughs> Cause we know. Yeah, exactly. You, you know, know what? <laughs> You, you, big, big pharma would come after you, yeah, because they, they, they would, yeah. uh, there'd be no need for uh, anti-inflammatories anymore or anything else of, uh, of prescription exactly. to help with your injuries and your performance, exactly. of course. So, yeah, a lot of this yeah. stuff gets yeah. pushed to the side, doesn't it? Because it's, uh, it's, it's a potential uh, threat to these big industries. Maybe that's what's happening, but we're, uh, we're, we're chipping away at the, at, at the wall here, trying to break through. And, um, it's certainly, like, as I said, it's, it's a natural process too. I mean, it's completely, it's 100% natural. And I, for one, like I do suffer with some injuries and niggles and, and pains. So I'm very interested in, in learning about the, uh, the process of this in terms of reducing injury and, and obviously to prolong my training for as long as possible, you know, for, you know, a lifelong process, so has it been that that way for you in terms of okay you found grounding, and as soon as you implemented this practice into your life, you've been injury free ever since, or did you still have your setbacks? Or so I mean there there are some things you I can't control. You know uh, you know there's a lot of biomechanics involved. There's a lot of things with the training program. There's a lot of things that factor into injuries. But as far as the prevalence of the injuries in my training career they have significantly gone down since I started implementing this practice in my life. Um, and, you know, the, the training part, as important as it was when I first found out about this, it's like, it's the small, it's the small thing to me now, because the other, what else it does for me is uh, it's a lot more important. And I, I, I wish more people knew about this. And so I'm, I kind of like took it into my own hands there to, 
create a, a page and a community to, to preach this practice. Um, so hopefully the grounded athlete is able to do that uh, and continue to do that. Cause I, you know, I've, I've kind of fostered a little bit of a community here that they're just, they're amazing people and they really, they enjoy what I do and I enjoy what I do. And, you know, every day I wake up and I'm super thankful that I have this kind of community behind my back that's able to support me in this. I'm able to support them. Um, I'm able to put out this information. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's an awesome, it's an awesome thing to do. And I absolutely love it. Does this, does the grounding for you sort of come under the same umbrella as, as yoga or meditation? Like does, does the grounding sort of, is that your thing as such for spirituality or for inner peace? Or is all that also, is, is that also a part of your process or part of your routine or does it come under so, that? Yeah. I mean, I, I wouldn't say it's, it's how I, it definitely contributes to my, my, my peace, my inner peace. And I, I think a lot of physiologic uh, mechanisms are happening there to kind of facilitate that. Um, but I do like to meditate outside when I'm grounded because I find that it's just it's so much more enhanced mm-hmm. um, my my morning routine uh, it involves going outside and grounding um, a lot of visualization a lot of meditation a lot of affirmations uh, prayer um, yeah I found that when your morning goes bad your, your whole day is just kind of kind of screwed from there like you got to nail that morning routine and and really get that down and um, but I mean, I like to do, I, I wouldn't say grounding is, is my way of my way of meditating. I think prayer and definitely, you know, doing that whole affirmation visualization process in the morning. That's, that's my kind of meditation and grounding certainly enhances that. Okay. Nice one. Yeah. Okay. So I'm going to, so basically you're, you're telling me to, uh, to journal whilst I'm grounded. Going hey, it, yeah. if you can, if you can do that, yeah, it's, it's definitely going to enhance that process, but mm-hmm. you know, for some people it's different. Like it, when you're outside there, you know, sometimes there's a lot of distractions and they, people can't, they don't like that. They like that, you know, solid peace and quiet that they have in their home to be able to write and meditate. Yeah. Um, you know, that's, that's what, that's what I like when I'm, when I do my journaling, uh, I like, you know, just complete, I like to maybe listen to some piano when I'm doing it. Uh, but I like, you know, being, kind of combined in, in a, my own space okay. so yeah that's um that, that's that that's something i i do i actually go to uh i go to the lake which is a two minute drive from my house here and mm-hmm. generally I'd, I'd sit on the bench outside if it's if it's bright it's it's getting brighter now it's it's summertime here so and uh yeah so i am already in a, in a peaceful place but yeah maybe to get a bit more out of the out of the out of the journaling is to do it barefoot and and to get grounded whilst I'm doing it, just to really center myself and to uh, yeah get more out of the uh, out of the the journaling. And I'm also sort of looking to apply meditation in there somewhere as well. I've had a podcast with a with a guy called Jimmy Whiteman a few weeks ago, and he's 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 really selling me the idea of meditation as well. So I'm looking to explore some of these things to uh, enhance my my inner peace ultimately and uh you know that's yeah. for me that's 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 the goal you know it's it's not yeah. not finance it's not it's not career yeah. it's, it's it's inner peace you know and i think inner when you're peace. yourself you're free so yeah. whatever with that in my life i'm i'm certainly going to uh give it a, a good give, give it a shot so yeah and then in terms of uh your own journey now you've mentioned that you've retired from track and field so what's what's happening next yeah. Uh, I found an Olympic weightlifting coach. And so I'm, I'm moving on to Olympic weightlifting. Uh, I always kind of had a knack for it, uh, training, training for it throughout my sprinting career. And so, and, you know, I just, I, I ran my last race this past February and I was just like, you know, this just doesn't, doesn't make me happy anymore. Like, and you gotta be mature enough to say that this no longer serves me and I have to, I have to move on with my life. Um, I enjoyed it. It was an amazing journey. Um, I learned a lot of things from it, but it just, it doesn't, it doesn't do it for me. It doesn't make me happy anymore. And uh, I'm, I, I don't regret it. Um, I, the training is definitely pretty, uh, it's pretty intense and I don't, I don't miss throwing up on the side of the track and 
but yeah, it, I love, I love Olympic weightlifting. It's, it's, it's a lot more laid back. It's, uh, it's a lot more peaceful for me and I'm glad I'm glad I made the switch. So excellent, man. Do you, do you, feel, do you feel that you've, uh, achieved all that you set out to achieve on track and field or do you feel like you've left a few things on the field as such and it's just that you've had to accept that you know what you know I, i'm done and uh you know yeah. I'm, I'm okay with this behind or what's how are you there in terms of i i can i can look back and say that i was able to do a lot of great things and I was able to sustain those great things for a long time and longer than a lot of athletes usually are able to do that for. And I'm, I'm proud of that. And I was, I was a little sad at first um, because I didn't know my last race was going to be my last race. I didn't know my last practice was going to be my last practice because it came, it came all of a sudden. I was just like, you know, this, you know, this is, isn't, this isn't fun for me anymore. And so uh, it was a very anticlimactic kind of departure from the sport, but now, I mean, I'm, I'm good. I found, I found a new sport that makes me happier. And, but, you know, looking back, I, I gave it everything. I gave it everything I possibly have. And that's the only thing you can do. The only thing you can do is give what you have. And I did everything that I could possibly do and everything I possibly give in the sport. And I can look back and be happy about it. Sweet, man. Yeah. I'm, I'm, again, I'm very intrigued about the, <clears throat> the journey of a professional athlete. And, uh, Again, very interesting in terms of okay, if you look if you look back at your at your own career as a professional athlete. Now, as I said, you were a professional athlete. There's no there's no uh, this is no Mickey Mouse thing. It's no just uh, running around yeah. the field a few times a week. You were like yeah. invested <laughs> in it. So what what yeah. have what have what have been some of the uh, the highlights and the lowlights from from that journey for you as you reflect back on it now? Um, the highlights were you know they weren't even necessarily the performances i i enjoyed running fast i enjoyed winning competitions i enjoyed there's a lot of things that i enjoyed but i think what i actually enjoyed most about it was that i got to meet all the people that i got to meet through it and i got to travel all the places i got to travel through it and uh the it's it, it was almost like the the performances and all that were kind of in the back of my mind i and maybe that meant that i wasn't truly enjoying the sport maybe more so what the sport like brought me ex externally outside of performing um and there is you know i do get a little bit of that high from from you know running fast and, doing, and competing well and performing good um uh, but it's definitely i think uh, the environments and the, the social aspects of it that I love, I really loved. And some of the, the downsides of that would be, you know, I, I would take really bad performances really hard. And so it, it would affect me in, in really negative ways. It would affect my mental health in a lot of negative ways. And that's pretty common among, among athletes. And I, you know, I found myself going on these trips to really nice places uh, places I should, you know, I should be happy at. I'm at the beach and I'm, I'm hanging out here and I have a bad performance ruins the trip. You know, there's, there's, uh, and I, I felt like I wasn't, I wasn't able to enjoy my life fully because of, of this sport. Like, Hey, you know, every once in a while, I like to have, I like to have a beer with my dad. I like to, you know, have a, a few extra slices of cake. You know, every once in a while, I like to do that stuff. When I was running track, everything that I was doing, everything that I was putting into my body, everything, everything, everything made me think of how is this going to affect me on the track? And I didn't, I didn't, that wasn't okay with me because I just felt like I was missing out on what I should, you know, and these, you know, I'm 27 now and I don't want to miss out on these, you know, the really, really good years of my life because I was so focused on a sport and I, I wanted to give, everything to that sport and that led to me taking away from other aspects of my life mm -hmm. so yeah well i mean you almost have become obsessed with it don't you and uh, yeah it has to sort of take over your life to get to the to get to the levels you're at and mm -hmm. you know it does require a, a shitload of sacrifice which of course a lot of people aren't willing to do which is why a lot of people don't become professional athletes so yeah, yeah you can't eat that and, I, I've, and yeah that's the cost you're gonna yeah. You got to pay the price. Yeah, yeah, and you know, I there's some there's other other things. You know, I just 
I, I wasn't able to go out with friends. I wasn't able to, you know, go visit people as much and do as much as I wanted to do that I, I should have been able to do. And, um, you know, I, I feel like, you know, in some way, shape or form, I did, I did miss out on a lot of things that I, you know, maybe I'll regret down the road, but, um, I did, I did give everything that I could, I could possibly give to the sport and I, I couldn't give anymore. So, but I don't regret it and I'm happy that I did do it and uh i'm happy now so <laughs> yeah and you're and again it's not like you're gonna lie on the couch for the next few years you're you're, you're transitioning yeah. all yeah. energy into the olympic lifting now which in itself is uh mm. it, it, it requires a lot of discipline and it's uh yeah I, I i've done a i've done a couple of years of it when i was in crossfit and it's it's tough going and yeah uh, yeah so yeah you're transferring your time and energy of that which is again something you enjoy now as well and you're not sort of stepping into an empty space. You, you're 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 filling up your time with something else that that you're going to, I'm sure, do really well in as well. So, because you're an absolute tank. So, uh, <laughs> I appreciate <there's>, that. <laughs> and uh, the, uh, is it difficult like, in terms of leaving all that behind? As you said, it's it wasn't just the the track and field, or wasn't just the sport itself, but the, the social aspect and the all that that it brought like the you know the, all the other factors is it difficult to sort of leave that behind has it sort of left you in a place where you're having to leave friends behind or people behind in order to move forward into something new is that has that been a difficult um, so I, there it was only difficult if it was difficult because things were different my life was different like i wasn't i wasn't uh going to the track and i wasn't you know, training four or five times a week at the track and my life was just significantly altered. Um, so in that kind of, it's kind of a culture, it's kind of a shock. It's kind of a shock to your body and your mind when something like that happens. And so the first few weeks I was, I think I was just kind of in a little state of, you know, limbo, like what's, what's going on here. My body isn't used to this. Um, but you know, when I, when I made that choice up, up until now, I, I still don't, regret it and I think that's how you know that it was time um there I mean sometimes sometimes I'll miss hey uh, you know going to attract me and you know winning some races but you know for the most part I don't I don't really miss it <laughs> so I think that that definitely means that I was ready ready to move on you go in the right direction yeah nice one and then sort of bringing it back to the to the feet bringing it back to uh-huh. grinding perhaps to a certain extent what are your mm-hmm. thoughts on like footwear. So for example, I know you're going into the gym now and you're Olympic lifting. What are your sort of thought processes on the footwear that people footwear that people wear when they're out running or when they're in their in the workouts or like for example doing their squats or you know deadlifting or, or something like this? Are you are you sort of down with the um the flat soles or what's it called? What are those um shoes called that that don't have the uh literally don't have any soles what are they called again you can tell me uh, is it vivo yeah 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 almost like soulless shoes it's, it's, it's as if you're as, as if you're bare feet on on the ground mm-hmm. so is that something else you have to get uh, or so i i differ with a lot of the people in the barefoot community because it's it's a it's a tricky situation because we live in an, a very synthetic environment, a very not natural environment. So uh, all these all these hard tiles, these hard flat tiles, these hardwood floors, these uh, synthetic flat tracks, these flat surfaces, they're not natural to the human foot. The human foot hasn't evolved to be in contact with these surfaces only in the last few hundred years. Have they come about? And so I, that makes it tricky. So when you're getting really, really flat barefoot shoes and you're, you're in contact with these surfaces and you're training in these, on these surfaces, there is a, I think there's a, a greater chance of injury. And so a big thing for, for me was with these synthetic surfaces, these flat surfaces, they're, I, I have to accommodate myself for those surfaces. And so I can't go out on the track and run 
the intervals that I run five days a week in some barefoot shoes that would just, it would lead to injury because that's not a natural stimulus to my foot. Um, I couldn't train in Converse shoes five times a week doing heavy lifting, Olympic weightlifting, because that would absolutely destroy and probably lead to a lot of fractures in the foot. Um, so it's, it's a very situation, very sticky situation that we we've, we've put ourselves in. And so it's, it's because we, we have these services now that we kind of have to accommodate for those services with a little bit of cushion. And that's kind of where I sit, I sit with it. Um, I think you need, you need a little bit because these services, you're not, you're not meant to be walking around training on them. And, um, you know, I'm not, I'm not a foot expert by any means, but, uh, looking, looking at it from an evolutionary standpoint, it doesn't sound very sustainable to me, if that makes sense. And the fact that we've been wearing shoes since we've been able to walk as well. So we've got yeah, yeah. 20, 30 years of, of, con- of conditioning there. So our, our feet have adapted around a shoe and then we take the shoes mm-hmm. off and, and your feet are going, what the fuck is this? <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. And so, yeah, you've got, you've got that problem and then you've got the problem of over cushioning or it's just like, it's because in any, in any kind of footwear, you're, you're never going to have a natural gait pattern. You're, you're never, it's just not possible. Mm-hmm. Um, and especially with, with all the cushion that we have in our shoes today, it's just makes our feet weak. That's essentially what it comes down to. You step out of them and you know, you're getting all these injuries because your feet aren't accommodated to being in that state. And so, um, it's, it's really tricky. And my whole, uh, idea on this is that it's, it's kind of hard to escape these synthetic you know, flat services. And so I think we need to accommodate ourselves with a little bit, a little bit underneath our feet. Okay. And so, um, and that's, you know, it's kind of what I do with my sandals. They're 12 millimeters. So, okay. um, they're, they're, I think that's just enough cushion to, uh, well, I mean, I don't want people training in them. <laughs> I think I get a lot of questions about that. Like, can I train in these? Like I meant them, I meant them for, for casual wear, but as far as if you're just walking around and just, you know, uh, day to day walking around on these services, I think that's a good amount, good amount of, uh, cushion underneath your feet. Yeah. Well, well, you were just, you were just heading down an avenue there with your sandals. So please tell us more about your sandals. I'm intrigued. Yeah. Uh, so I, I, I made the sandals a couple of years ago. Um, it took, it was about a month, a month long process. It was me just pulling, scraping stuff together, trying to make it work. Um, I would spend three or four hours on one pair and I'd have to throw it out because it didn't work. And, you know, that process went on for uh, a month and eventually I got to something. I was like, okay, this, this works really well. Um, and so I, I started to reach, well, I made them, a few people messaged me when I first made them. They're like, can you make these for me? And I said, oh, okay, yeah, I, mean, I can make them for you. And I started sending them to people. And then after that, they just kind of like the word started spreading on them. And then before I knew it, I was sending them out every which, which way direction. And at, you know, at this point I've, I've sent them to over 50 countries, um, every state here in the U S um, it's, it's getting, it's getting bigger and bigger. And that's not even like my big thing right now. There's like, I'm focusing, I have another project that I'm working on. That's going to be a lot, a lot, a lot bigger because I mean, the sandals are big and, and they're awesome and I'm, I love doing it, but my, my goal, my intention going in uh, to this whole kind of crafting business, it, it goes beyond the sandal. And so I'm excited for, for that project, which is uh, the Aries, Aries uh, project that I've been working on for about a year and a half now. And so people will, they'll find out about that, you know, soon enough. So, but yeah, the sandals, uh, they, that, they ground is that, you. Is that they, all you can tell us about it? Is it? at the moment yeah yeah i don't want to give away i don't want to give away too much and i i haven't uh on uh i could probably tell you after after we're done recording yeah um that's what i did on uh 180 nutrition i told them afterwards but yeah i mean i just i like to keep it a secret until it's until it's solidified until it's you know uh well go back go back to the sandals then so so sell me sell me a pair of your sandals why should i buy a pair (laughs) why should i buy a pair of your sandals well, before I try and sell you my sandals, can I, can I tell you a little bit more about grounding of and why this is so important for you? Cause I think that's, that's hopefully, you know, that's how people find me is because of that grounding thing. Um, and so 
a real quick kind of nutshell uh, thing here with grounding is that the surface of the earth is uh, negatively charged and this is maintained by a global circuit uh, and that's solar radiation, it's ionospheric winds and that's thunderstorms. And you got about one or 2000 thunderstorms going on around the earth at any one time. And that's a lot of lightning strikes. And what those lightning strikes do is they pump these uh, negatively charged subatomic particles, they're called electrons, to the surface of the earth. And so when you're barefoot, you're connecting yourself to those subatomic particles, um, those electrons. So the, the epidemic uh, going on right now, I, I mean, pandemic, uh, what's the difference between epi epi Is pan like the whole world? I would say it's pandemic. I think, um, it, yeah, yeah. I think pandemic is, is, is a global yeah. thing. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah, well, I, I forgot which, which one it is. No local, but uh, yeah. I'm fucking guessing that. So <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah I, I forgot someone, which one. Someone it is, listened but... to this, going, "No, no, you, you yeah, fucking yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hey, well, as long as they, as long as they know and they can, they can figure it out for themselves. The the, yeah. the point is that we've got this, we've got this, uh, this problem going on around the world, and that problem is non-communicable chronic disease which has surpassed in terms of deaths, infectious, infectious issues. Um, so these, these chronic, these chronic uh, conditions, these diseases, uh, cardiovascular disease, neurodegenerative, uh, musculoskeletal, uh, cancer, diabetes, what a lot of these have in common is uh, inflammation and oxidative stress, um, which I'm, I'm sure you're familiar with. Um, so these are, these are two intimately intertwined processes that occur in the body and they usually occur simultaneously, uh, and they kind of feed off each other. And so, uh, the part that grounding takes care of, um, at least in part is that oxidative stress. And so your body is essentially this, this big pool of redox reactions, reduction in oxidation, so loss and gain of electrons. And so these, uh, this oxidative stress, what it is, is it's an imbalance of free radicals. Have you, you've heard of free radicals before. I feel like every, it's pretty common now. Um, what these free radicals are is they're, they're reactive oxygen species. And your body makes these as a normal part of cellular respiration and as part of its uh, immune, immune response. And so uh, these, these reactive oxygen species, um, so the most common in biological systems is superoxide anion. So about 2% of the, the oxygen that you're breathing in is going to get converted to superoxide anion. Um, and it's through uh, the addition of uh, additional electrons that the other reactive oxygen species come about, and that's hydrogen peroxide and hydroxyl radical. And so these can be very beneficial and they can be very detrimental. And so they're beneficial because what they do is they strip electrons from other molecules in the body. And they, so, and they, they, they affect the macromolecules in your body uh, very significantly. They, they affect proteins, they affect lipids, lipid peroxidation. And so a big mechanism of action with these reactive oxygen species is because they, of this lipid peroxidation, all the cells in your body, they have this lipid bilayer around them. And so when these reactive oxygen species are, they're stripping electrons away from this lipid bilayer, they are they're changing the function of cells and they're in, they're potentially killing those cells. And so you can see why they're so beneficial in the immune response. So if you've got invading pathogens, you've got damaged cells, that's why these reactive species are so beneficial. But the problem becomes like when you're not able to neutralize those reactive species. And so um, your body makes antioxidants. You, you've heard of antioxidants, right? Yeah. Uh, they, so your body makes uh, antioxidants to combat these. Uh, more often than not, it's not enough. These are, you know, your glutathione, your catalase, hydrogen peroxidase, um, superoxide dismutase. You can also get it from the diet. Um, alpha tocopherol, vitamin E, vitamin C, ascorbate, uh, flavonoids, uh, resveratrol, these polyphenols. Um, but the problem here is that these these and these antioxidants and a lot of antibiotics and a lot of these healing molecules, they can't, they can't fully heal your, your inflammation, wherever you're having inflammation, because 
there's a process going on between that inflammation and oxidative stress that creates uh, this barrier. And this barrier is essentially this wall of connective tissue. And that makes it pretty impermeable to circulating antibiotics, antioxidants. And so they can't get into that area. Um, and so the reason grounding is so good for oxidative stress is because proteins, all of the proteins in your body, and this isn't, this isn't a very well-known thing, all the proteins in your body are semiconductors. And so electrons can semiconduct themselves through this, this wall, this barrier, and they can take care of this, this, this frenzy going on inside this um, inflammatory zone or granuloma pouch. There's a lot of names for it. And if it's not, if it's not assessed, it can go on for a really long time, this, this little inflammation pouch. And so, and it can leak too. And so what was, you know, what was once this little localized area of inflammation, it can leak into the bloodstream and it can turn into a multi-systemic issue down the road and, and potentially uh, a chronic, a chronic disease, some kind of disease of some sort. And, um, but yeah, so that leads, that leads me into another big thing that I like to tell people about with grounding is that your body is essentially this battery. It's this, it's the storage house for charge. And so when you step barefoot on the earth, all these electrons are coming into your body and they're kind of charging you up in a way. And a big part of that is this matrix system. It's all the proteins in your body that are, that some, that are semiconductors and um, the, what's called the fourth phase of water, which is something that's really interesting that you should, you should look into. It's so a lot of people, when they think of the phases of water, solid liquid gas, there's also, there's a fourth phase and that's when water comes in contact with hydrophilic surfaces. So water loving surfaces. And when they come in contact with that surface, it creates this crystal lattice structure that's common in semiconducting materials. So like silicone and germanium. And so it, it essentially creates this battery of protons and electrons throughout your body. Um, and this, this matrix is the only system in your body that has a direct contact with everything, everything from the outside of the cell, the organs down to the actual DNA itself. This is the only system that does that. And it's not recognized in, and especially in Western medicine today, because I think it's because it's such an intertwined system with everything else that it's hard to kind of just call it its own system. And so, uh, that's your body's matrix and that's essentially your battery and it contributes to what's called your inflammatory preparedness. And I've put a lot of posts out on this. I've, I've written a lot about it. So if you want to look into that, it's, it's a really fascinating topic and I, I didn't get to, you know, really get into it right there, but it's, it's really, it's really cool what your body's capable of as far as uh, charge storage and charge transfer. So, yeah, well, that's, I mean, for me, ultimately it's about trying this out. And you all experience it for yourself. As I said to you before this, uh, before I started recording this episode with you, I went outside and I was barefoot on the soil for about 10 minutes. And bef even before it as well, I, I did feel a little bit flat. Uh, usually afternoon time, it's six, it's after 7 p.m. now, but at that time it was, uh, it was 6 p.m. And I, you know, I start to um, deflate a little bit. But it's certainly, uh, I feel as you as you talk about energy, there I definitely feel a lot more energized as well after it as well. Um, so, mm -hmm. tons of benefits. But it's as I said, a lot of people have. I think that's the the big problem here is that a lot of people have adapted to feeling a certain way, or to living a certain way. Like we're very adaptable creatures, and many people out there are not optimized. Many people out there are not healthy whilst at the same time they're uh, ignorant to that fact because they've adapted to feeling that way. And I think it's normal. So it's only by trying these, th these things out that you'll begin to realize, oh, fuck, yeah, I feel a lot more yeah. better, I feel a lot more energized, yeah. a lot more healthier. <laughs> doing this. Yeah, yeah, it's like, you know, you don't, you don't have to believe anything that I'm saying. You can just go out and try it for yourself. That's all you need to do. You experiment. And, you know, to go back, to go back to what you were requesting earlier to sell you, to sell you on the sandals, <laughs> uh, hopefully, you know, that's, that was pretty convincing right there. And everybody can do their own research with all that too. Um, I, my biggest thing is I don't, I don't want to, I don't need to sell the sandals. Uh, I want to sell people. If I sell people on anything, it's to go actually be barefoot and ground themselves to the earth. And 
you don't need you don't need sandals to do that. And the sandals just make it a little bit more convenient. If you're on, you know, some kind of terrain that it's hard to be barefoot, that's what the sandals are for. But you know, sandals to the side, I want people to be to be barefoot. Like that's the important thing to me. So, so what, what, I didn't, what have I didn't, you, sorry to stop you. What what have you added on the, what is what's what's contained in the sandals that that uh, enables the, the grounding effect? <clears throat> So the sandal process is about a 45 minute process. They're all handcrafted. And what, what makes these sandals. So, like I said earlier, if you're in contact with a surface, a conductive surface that's in contact with the earth, it'll ground you. And so this surface, the sandal has a copper plate on the bottom of it. And that copper plate uh, has a strap that has silver conductive thread. It's rated at 10 ohms per centimeter. Ohms is a measure of electrical resistance. Silver is the best conductor in the world. Um, that copper is connected to the strap that wraps around your foot. And it's kind of a dual, dual mechanism there. So if the silver were to become too oxidized, it's still conductive anyway. Um, but you know, say if that were to happen, you've got your copper plate, which is still in contact with the leather bed that's on top of the sandal. So that's going to ground you right there because leather is conductive and it's actually the most common material that was used in footwear up until, you know, a few hundred, like a hundred years ago. Mm -hmm. And uh, it was only, you know, in, in the past hundred years that rubber sole shoes were invented and a lot of shit has happened since then as far as diseases. And, you know, that's not to say grounding is a lack of grounding is the main contributor of that, but there's a lot of things that contribute to that. But I think grounding is an underlooked aspect of that. And so, um, yeah, it's, it's a pretty simple design. Uh, you've got silver, you've got copper, you've got some pretty good conductors in there. Um, I've tested them and they work and people enjoy them. And that makes me happy. I get shout outs from all over the world about them and it's a good, definitely a good feeling. So. Well, I'm, I'm going shopping after this, uh, after this conversation. So <laughs> <laughs> thanks so much, Matt. You sold, you sold them to me and if anyone else listening to the podcast here uh, wants to grab a pair of your sandals or simply to um, gain a further insight in terms of the good work that you do, where is the best place to find you? Uh, I'm pretty active on Instagram. I try, I try and get back to everybody. Um, I'm, I'm usually pretty good, at, uh, good about it. I get a lot of them, so sometimes it takes me a while. Um, you can email me. My email link is on the Instagram. The website has a lot of research on it. It's got a lot of information about what I do and a lot of information about grounding. Um, but you know, if you're, as far as the sandals go, if you're, if you're halfway across the world somewhere, I, I can make it work. I've, I've shipped them to a lot of places. So if you want a pair, I can get them to you and that's not a problem. So Please. thank you, Rob, man. It's been an absolute pleasure. And, and, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty psyched to, uh, do some, do some grinding as I, as I move forward. So yeah. thank you for your time, yeah. and energy and your incredible insights. And, uh, we shall be in touch again. I'm absolutely thankful that you invited me on, Gavin. This was this awesome conversation. Thank you. Legend. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Modern Warrior Podcast. If this episode has added value to your life, please share this episode on your social media platforms so that others too can gain the insight, information, and inspiration that they need in order to move forward in their lives. For the time being, stay strong and keep fighting the good fight.